Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media. It's the show that challenges reality, questions at which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. We make the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. And that's exactly what I aim to do once again on this episode of The Secret Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Navi II. I am thrilled to be here this evening. My guest coming up in just a few short moments, the son of the late Lieutenant Colonel Phil Corso author of The Day After Roswell, his son, Phil Corso Jr., will be joining me to talk about the legacy of his father, what an amazing man he was, talk a little Roswell, talk a little UFOs, and we go so, so much deeper down this rabbit hole. Things he hasn't said before, he shares right here on the show with us, my friends, so you're going to sit back and pay attention to every word of this show. I'm uh, honored to bring it to you this evening. And uh, I'm excited to get into the conversation that I had with Phil. It, what a what a what a neat guy! What a, what a neat down to earth guy! Um, I can't wait to get into that. Let's see what else is going on in the world here. A couple things in the news came across my thread. I'm going to keep the news short because I want to get to my discussion with Phil. Uh, before I do all that again, I just want to direct you here my quick commercial here: SixthSenseMedia.net. Make sure you check it out. Uh, check it regularly. Lots of great stories, lots of great content. Ray Davis is also always putting stuff up there, positive stuff, affirmations. Uh, we've got great analysis going on on things going on in the news, things going on around the world. We've been tracking the uh, the UFO story. A lot of information is out there on that with recent disclosure efforts. Make sure you hit sixcentsmedia.net slash I am human. Get my free ebook, I Am Human. We are not who we think we are. If you're trying to understand this reality, if you have those questions, who am I? How do I fit into this universe? What the heck is going on? That's a great starting point. You get your free ebook and then you get signed up for the free secret newsletter sent to your inbox every Sunday morning. Stay up to date, stay connected with what's going on at Sixth Sense Media. And you know, I'm going to go on a tangent for a minute because we're going to talk UFOs tonight. We're going to talk about the disclosure efforts. Um, and it's something that we've been tracking here with the Seeker podcast and, and now with Sixth Sense Media, uh, at least since 2016, when uh, for me, what started with this deep inquiry was tying in the you know tying it all together with the WikiLeaks between Edgar Mitchell and John Podesta that's what lit the fire for me um, with this modern day stuff and, and I have a playlist out there if, if you're listening to what I'm saying you're going this is nuts Dennis doesn't make sense go back and listen it's it's 13 or 14 podcasts that are in this playlist and it goes through everything in recent events coming starting with that WikiLeaks but referencing back back data. You know, some of the Bill Cooper stuff and what he was talking about and how that ties in. Talks about Colonel Corso's book a great deal. I spent a lot of time doing analysis of, of Colonel Corso's book and what he found at Roswell, you know, and then how it ties into AI. Um, it's just such, it's too much to cover in one show is what I'm trying to say. So if you like this show, go back and listen to that or re-listen to that stuff uh, in that playlist. You can find it at, you know, at the, at the Seeker podcast page at Sixth Sense Media. Um, and just get caught up on what's going on. 
I'll let you do that research. All the links are there. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on that. Uh, a couple things came across my feed. I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but uh, Nick Pope put something out the other day on January 16th uh, via Twitter. And uh, I'll, I'll read his Twitter quote here. It says, DIA's Office of Corporate Communications just released to me the letter the DIA sent to congressional committees about the ATIP program. Is foreign advanced aerospace weapon threats from the present out to the next 40 years coded language for UFOs? And, and let me give some, I'll read you the letter in a minute. But what it's talking about here is that the ATIP was, according to this document, supposed to be looking at this, quote, stuff, a.k.a. UFOs, for the next 40 years. Um, apparently it's been, you know, closed down or whatever officially. But here's... Here's a copy, a transcript of their letter. It's, it's kind of blurry. i got to zoom into it. Now, in looking at this document, for somebody who worked in intelligence, you know, I was, I was a counterintelligence agent, um, this looks official. Now, anybody can fudge a document, obviously, but um, it's got all the labels in the correct place where they should be, as, as I'm seeing it. Now, it's been a while since I've looked at some classified information. It's been uh, well over a decade, but... Um, the way that this is labeled, everything does look legitimate. That's my two cents there. Uh, this is to the Honorable John McCain, Chairman, the Honorable Jack Reed, Ranking Member, Committee on, on Armed Services, United States Senate. Dear Chairman McCain and Ranking Member Reed, and this is classified, unclassified, F-O-U-O, which means for official use only. At the top, the classification markings say it's unclassified for official use only. Uh, here we go. Based on interest from your staff regarding the Defense Intelligence Agency, DIA's role in the Advanced Aerospace Threat and Identification Program, ATIP, please find attached a list of all products produced under the ATIP contract for DIA to publish. The purpose of ATIP was to investigate foreign advanced aerospace weapon threats from the present out to the next 40 years. Next paragraph, also classified as unclassified, F-O-U-O. There are 38 reports associated with DIA's involvement in the program documented in the list. All are unclassified for official use only, except for Attachment 37, which is a secret no-foreign version of Attachment 38. No-foreign means no, no foreign eyes should see it. None of our allies or anybody. It's just for United States eyes only. Um, and that, that document... Attachment 38 is called State of the Art and Evolution of High Energy Laser Weapons. All are available for congressional staff access on the Capitol Network, uh, CapNet, except for Attachments 12 and 15, respectfully, uh, respectively titled Field Effects on Biological Tissues and Introduction to the, I'm sorry, it's blurry, to the Statistical Drake Equation. We are also happy to provide them directly upon request. Should you have any questions, please contact my Congressional Operations lead. Now, this was dated January 9th, 2018. So the New York Times article came out, I want to say November 2017. We now have an official inquiry or a response to an inquiry, January 9th, 2018. A little bit of time lag there. Again, I think there's games being played here. We're not getting everything. Now, uh, the next page, uh, let's see, where is he at? Nick Pope's next tweet. Give me a minute here to get to it. Come on. Has the list of everything. But I want to actually I want to go back for a minute before I look at that. I want to go back on this first one here uh, where they talk about attachment 38. 
just a minor connection, um, art and evolution of high-energy laser weapons. That stands out to me only because Hal Putoff is on the board with the To The Stars Academy. Now, Hal Putoff, I've talked about him several times. Uh, he's got a fascinating background. He was one of the people at SRI, Stanford Research Institute, credited with founding the remote viewing program that was then classified and, and worked with the CIA for 20 years. Um, I was shocked when I heard his name come up uh, with the To The Stars Academy. I did not see that one coming. Um, but he's he's the real deal. He's a credible guy. Um, you know, there's an interview out there with Hal talking about him having a piece of... Uh, I guess technology, not technology, piece of equipment or, or an artifact that came from, I guess, one of these craft. I'll see if I can find it and link it in the show notes in the newsletter. But how also I know with his with his research, what's out there is he has done a lot of work with lasers. I think that's where he has a lot of his notoriety. Um, so reading this document here saying, you know, there's something with lasers that's classified, I think that's where Hal comes in and fits as well in looking at that that piece. That's one of the many places I'm sure that he fits in with this. Looking at the list of other documents that they have, we've got what? Uh, inertial electrostatic confinement fusion. I'm just reading the titles. I'm not reading all the people that are a part of it. Advanced nuclear propulsion for manual deep space missions. Pulsed high power microwave technology. Space access. That sounds interesting. Advanced space propulsion based on vacuum. Space, space-time metric engineering, biosensors and bio-memes, or MEMS, uh, I don't know, I'm not a scientist, invisibility cloaking, traversable wormholes, high-frequency gravitational wave communications, role of superconductors in gravity research, anti-gravity for aerospace applications, field effects on biological tissues. Let's see, the next, uh, there's a couple more on this one. I'm trying to read here. Uh... Positron Aerospace Propulsion. I feel like I'm reading something out of a Star Trek script here, friends. And what do we got next? Here's the second attachment. We're at item 26 now. Uh, aeronautic Fusion Propulsion. Cockpits in the era of breakthrough flight. Cognitive limits on simultaneous control of multiple unmanned spacecraft. Huh, that's interesting. Defection and high-resolution tracking of vehicles at hyperspace velocities. Uh, anotronic fusion propulsion. Forgive me if I'm reading these wrong. Laser lightcraft nanosatellites. What the heck with the nanotech that ties into the Ed Riordan interview, I think. Check my Ed Riordan discussion with Remote View and QAnon. Um, thermo, uh, magnetohydrodynamics. Quantum computing and utilizing organic molecules in automation technology. I mean, read between the lines here, friends. Quantum tomography of negative energy states in the vacuum. Ultra capacitors as energy as power storage. Negative mass propulsion. State-of-the-art evolution of high-energy laser weapons. And then there's 38. State-of-the-art evolution of high-energy laser weapons. The unclassified version there. All right, my friends, I wanted to share that. I know that was a little bit long to go through, but with those titles, I think it tells us something. It tells us what the DIA's involvement was in supporting the ATIP, and it gives us a, a glimpse of some of the stuff that the ATIP were looking at, and I think that's important to know. It'll give us a little bit more of their scope 
Um, and, and some of those papers, again, it reads like science fiction. This is the DIA that's, that's compiling this data here, th these reports for uh, the people that were part of ATIP. So I, I could spend a whole show going through and analyzing each one of these and what it could mean. But I, let's let that simmer for a little bit. I think it's important to at least read the titles because, again, it lets us know in part what their focus is. Part of my frustration with with the ATIP and that whole disclosure event that they had was I feel that they omitted multiple things. I feel that, number one, they didn't acknowledge the work of, of Dr. Greer um, and, and his claims, which in some cases contradict what they're saying here, and his disclosure effort of 2001 where they had, you know, the the, hitty, the, the hearings before, uh, you know, Congress and everything, not officially, but um, they in front of the National Press Club uh, is where Dr. Greer did his work. Um, and, and talking about the secret space program and the black budget. They didn't acknowledge that. They didn't acknowledge um, Colonel Corso's book, who, which we're going to get into tonight, The Day After Roswell, where his book talks about how the Roswell crash happened, we recovered artifacts, and then Corso, when he came to the Pentagon working under General Trudeau, his job was to take that technology and find a way to get it into the military's hands and into the public's hands without the Russians and anybody else in the world knowing that this was alien technology. And the way he did that was was a pretty neat way. He uh, had different companies back engineer stuff. Um, and then lastly, nobody's talking to contactees. Not, nobody with the ATIPs talking to contactees. And they give the line, well, we want to focus on just what we're seeing, what we're observing. And I think that's a load of crap. As an investigator who has a lot less experience than Lou Elizondo, talking about myself here, I'd want to know who's piloting the craft. I'd want to know what this, if, if they're a threat, what is this threat? What can I learn about them? I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at contactee reports, abductee reports, read all the books that are out there, read all the literature that's out there. I find it hard to believe that they didn't pay any attention to that stuff as a part of the A-tip. I don't, I don't buy it. Any good investigator would look at this mountain of data and say, wow, these people really weren't crazy. They really weren't telling stories. Something's happening. I need all the intel I can get. Let me take a look at this. So we're not getting the whole story in my opinion. That's what I want to say on that. And I think that if you have a, a government program that's, in, that's acknowledging that it's investigating UFOs, I think to all the people who have possibly been victimized by this experience, or at least at a minimum traumatized by this experience, I think they deserve that validation. You were right. Here's what we know. I don't think we're ever going to get that, not in the, in the capacity of an official statement from the United States government, but... I, that's my two cents there on that. I want to get to my discussion with Phil. It's it's a great conversation. Um, it, it just just listen to every word he says, and uh, keep an open mind. I know we all have our beliefs. We all have our paradigms. Suspend that for the for the purposes of this conversation. You don't have to agree with everything he says. You don't have to believe everything he says. But I said this when I first started restarted doing this show again, and, and I was talking about the flat Earth theory. I said, I'm not a flat earther, but I listened to a lot of their content and I was able to gain connections from it. I didn't walk away from it saying the earth is flat, but some of the stuff that came out of flat earth research connected dots in other areas for me that I think is significant. So keep that in mind. Keep an open mind. May your criticisms be honest 
and helpful. And don't criticize just to criticize, because we're, we're all in the search for truth. And if you're going to criticize just because you're angry about something, take it somewhere else. We don't have time for that. We're looking for answers here, and we're trying to work together within our community. If we're fighting amongst ourselves in a disrespectful fashion, nobody wins. I'm going to leave it at that, my friends. I'm excited to share this discussion with you. Let's get Phil on the line. Okay, friends, I have uh, Philip Corso Jr. on the phone. He's the son of the late Lieutenant Colonel Philip J. Corso, the author of The Day After Roswell. He's also a well-decorated World War II veteran and military hero. Great piece of history. Phil uh, continues carrying on the legacy of his father. He's going to talk a little bit tonight about more about the book, about his dad, and uh, we're going to get a little bit more details about that Roswell incident as well. Phil, how are you tonight, my friend? Yes, uh, very well, Dennis, and thank you for having me. Uh, I'm excited to uh, to have you on the phone. I'm honored that you're uh, coming on the show to uh, to share this story. How how long has it been since you've been uh, doing interviews? It's been a while, hasn't it? Well, it's been quite a while. Yeah, I would say a number of years. Uh, I was busy running a business, High Speed Composites, which uh, we build experimental airplanes. My wife, three sons, and some others, and. Uh, recently I fell off a ladder, broke my hip and it was time to close. It got my three sons, their AP license. They all have good jobs. So the business did what it was supposed to. So I'm retired now and have some extra time and thought I might get back into it a little bit. Get back into now. Have you been keeping track and updated on what's been going on in the world of UFOs? Oh yes, I think so. Um, yeah, not, not tremendously, but, uh, you know, I watch Ancient Aliens and a few mm-hmm. other programs, so mm-hmm. and and uh, a, a lot on the universe too. You know, in science, so I think I'm pretty well educated on the on the newer theories and such. Fascinating how after all these years, everything seems to be connecting, doesn't it? Everything seems to, seems to tie in. Yes, it does. And uh, you know, my father said something very interesting to me, and this was in 98 when he actually wrote the book and right before he passed away uh he said uh we have caught et in all of the um military hardware and uh everything that was that is necessary to hold them off except for in in biology he says we're still far behind wow i just thought i'd throw that in so yeah. they were more biologically advanced than we are. Yes. Did yeah. he give any more indication as to what that meant or how they were evolved? That's all I can can remember. Yeah. Just just those simple words, you know. You know, and I'm thinking back to the book. Um, you know, and I, I um, last year I, I was telling you when I spoke to you earlier. Um, the, the first I got exposed to the book was just a year ago, and I was fascinated by it. And I was saying to myself, why? Why wasn't this disclosure? Why didn't this count? I mean, you know, he was a credible guy and, you know, with the background. But I remember when he was talking about the bodies, and this has really caught my interest, he was kicking around the idea that these bodies were possibly a part of the craft and and maybe part robot, part ship, part biological. Yes. I have a um, paper here that my dad wrote, and what he did is a comparison between the human body and between um the extra biological entities. And it's quite interesting. Um, I don't know where he got the money for, I mean, the ideas from, but 
I believe he did say that the autopsy that was going around when they removed the lens from the eye uh, and such, he said uh, the the autopsy that they were showing is true, is real, because he actually held that was an outer lens, and they had two more lens like a shark, another shutter that would close, mm-hmm. and then the eyeball, and he actually held that up in the Pentagon hallway, he says in the book, and it contained its own biology and its own uh, current to to light itself up and work without any battery any you know and same with the fiber optics he said when he held them in his hand they actually begin to glow so biology some way is involved in the uh, in the systems within the ship uh, he's in the comparison chart uh, there's two brains not two hemispheres Mm-hmm. But one brain is laced with integrated circuits, and the other brain is the actual control of the robot or the extra biological entity. And he he says so far they had only gotten that it uh, the brain that's laced with the integrated circuits transmits back to a, another place um, what the robot is doing. And of course, the ship was controlled um, with a, um, you know, with the uh, entity sitting in the back of it, and um, it, and that's where the the uh, helmet came from that is now used in the Blackhawks and such for aiming device and such actually integrates into the brain. Wow, I, mean, I remember reading about that, and, and the the, the hmm. night vision came from that as well. Correct, looking at those lenses. Yeah, and, and the mistake is that a lot of people make is uh, my dad said that the night vision, the Germans already had a, a system, and so did the Japanese. And Fort Belvoir, for instance, was um, doing research on that. So they, my dad said he and General Trudeau would naturally plant the artifact and the funds to businesses that are are laboratories that were already working in that area there. He would actually not give them the the artifact, but he would fund it and then tell them that this is possible. And then if they began to not do so well, he would actually introduce the artifact. And then he's, my father said that uh, they would tell them that uh, the military has first priority. And then after that, you can go ahead and patent it and do whatever you want and uh, you know, put it out to the public, and that was that was for security reasons. So they he wouldn't basically just be advertising, "Hey, we've got alien technology," because this was during the Cold War, and they you know, the fear was that the Russians were were watching us very closely. I mean, we he wasn't even sure who he could trust within the government. Correct? I mean, that was the fear that there were uh, communist spies within the government. Correct? Oh, absolutely. In fact, my father said it was Stalin's number one mandate to steal Roswell technology. Mm -hmm. That's why they didn't leave paper trails and such like that, because they didn't trust others that were in the, in the government. Um, there was actually the same thing going on as there is now. Uh, you know, um, my father was actually part of a shadow government and it, and there were very powerful people in there. Senator, uh, I mean, uh, speaker of the house, John McCormick, Senator Thurman, you know, uh, Congressman Fian and, uh, you know, many, many senators, too. And there was about 40 of them, my dad said, General Stammett, that 
were actually knew about this technology and actually um, uh, held on to it. Later on, we had some uh, a president come to the hangar uh, and or come to the airport and wanted and sent a uh, one of his CIA agents and um, also uh, I built an airplane for him and made friends with him and such. But what happened there was um, uh, this president wanted to know more. And I told him, I'm sorry, my father said that you don't fit the, uh, you don't fit the uh, agenda. In other words, he, he was a um, left-wing socialist, you might say. Right. And uh, he didn't fit. So he got very angry, <laughs> very, very imagine. angry. And also we had to hide these, my dad's notes for about six years. And um, we got sued by people we didn't even know. Right. And of course, that's that's the way that uh, that you're kept quiet nowadays. Maybe mm-hmm. a threat or two, but also lawsuits. And uh, so it, it was very, very uncomfortable for the family. And in fact, my father said on his deathbed, he was sorry he wrote the book because he left me with several lawsuits. And fortunately, an attorney from uh, California wrote wrote a letter to me and he said, I don't believe in such things. He says, but your dad's book would hold up in court because of times, dates, and names of people, you know? So I wrote back and said, help. And this is Mr. William Kent. We flew out there and he put out the frivolous lawsuits in about three months. Thank God. Yeah. Thank goodness for that. Otherwise, otherwise I was going to put it into public that I put all the notes out in the middle of the street and burn them. That's how tough it was on our family. I can imagine, and and you know, and you have to ask yourself, you, you know, if if your father was was making this up, which I don't think yeah. that he was, then, then why so much attention on it? Well, that's exactly right. And there were so many things that happened after my father's death, too. Uh, one one fellow CIA agent named Darren, a black man, before they put the fences, security fences, after nine eleven around the airport, pulled up pretty much in front of the hangar on off to one side. And I knew he was taking pictures of me. So I went over to him and knocked on the door and said, uh, you know, what can I do for you? You know? And he says, yeah, he says, I'm taking pictures. And the whole side of the motorhome was lined up with technical gear, mm-hmm. satellite and so on. And, uh, he says, yeah, we're going to keep you under surveillance for your own protection for the next 10 years. And, um, Pretty much so. Not now, but pretty right. much so it was. Mm-hmm. Now I'm sure they're they're listening, uh, you know, listening to this conversation. It's a lot easier now to keep somebody under surveillance than it was, uh, you know, several years ago, obviously, with... Uh, well, we that's with right. And in part, yeah, I guess we have your father to thank for that, right, with his with uh, some of the stuff he got out of Roswell. Yeah. Um, you know, my father inherited the file cabinet. Now, that was only the stuff put in the Jeep. And my father was very, very critical against the Air Force Mm -hmm. and uh, that they had most of it and they were keeping it in their own circle. Uh, And and probably today they still are, you know, so so only the imagine where the world would be if we could have the rest of the uh, stuff, you know, Um, something very interesting. My father said, too, that I don't know is in the book or not, but he says all of the crafts were taken back. By the ETs? Yes, right. Did he say how? Well, they just come into the military bases and take them the same way they disabled the missiles, you know. 
Okay. So it, it, it was mm-hmm. just, it wasn't like a planned exchange of equipment. One day they're there, the next day they're gone. Well, there there are crashes, and mm-hmm. still today, the, the television and the ancient alien, they don't know the reason that there's so many crashes around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do. I know the reason. And um, they, it, it's, um, it mostly happened back in the, in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. And it's very simple. E.T. was not prepared for the pencil beam high energy particle weapon uh, uh, before particle weapon. The first particle weapon, by the way, is in White Sands, New Mexico, in the museum. Mm-hmm. And we went down there to watch a missile being shot by Rutan and invited. And my dad visited the, mu- the museum, and the first dew weapon or particle weapon is in there that my dad helped develop. Wow. And before that, though, it was pencil beam radar. They would take the Nike radars and bring them down to the high energy. I mean, tremendous. My dad said one time it turned two white soldiers completely black when it was turned on. And uh, their skin, their pigment, and the high energy pencil beam is what brought the crafts down. In now, the was that intentional or, or accidental? No, accidental. Mm-hmm. Accidental. They're bringing down my And then... Yeah, my dad said something else, too. They had a uh, RCATS, they were called. They were the radio-controlled airplanes that took off on a tether mm-hmm. in a circle, and then they would go up, and, of course, they would fire the missiles at them. Well, my dad was the first one to get 12 for 12 shots, but he says sometimes they would go out on the range to bring the RCATS back, and they couldn't find them. Mm-hmm. They were actually taken, and then a week later or so, they would be put back. But all the screws had been tampered with. It had been disassembled wow. and put back. Yeah. So you know, there, there's a there's a lot of uh, strangeness to El Paso there. And of course, my dad with the five five two missile battalion took the first nukes for mm-hmm. Eisenhower to Europe. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a, a besides the UFO stuff. Your dad has a fantastic military history of the, the things he was involved in. Yes, and um, I'll plug another book that's not out yet. My dad wrote a book, we're calling it The Day After Rome, mm-hmm. and it was very interesting. My dad was with um, <clears throat> with uh, um, uh, who was our tank commander? Um, Rommel was the German. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was, anyway, he, he came up through through South Africa. They invaded Sicily. He came through there. And um, then a general heard him speaking all of the dialects. Now, in Italy at this time, remember, the dialects were so separated right. that the north couldn't talk to the south. I mean, not, not like here in this country. I mean, it really couldn't speak to each other. There was no common language until after the war. So since he heard all the dialects from my father, he said, come here, son, you're now G2 of Rome. So there was some very interesting. Uh, I think the book would make a wonderful movie. It's very colorful. Yeah. He took uh, my father, uh, for instance. One of the items he did is he took the first thirty thousand German Jews to Israel, the first Exodus. Wow. He engineered in three days and didn't lose a soul. Wow. And the British were going to uh, execute him. My father said that right there yeah. would make a movie. <laughs> just just that, that would one make piece. a movie. You know? Just that one part, right? Yeah, just that one part. Right. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And, and the book is very colorful. I mean, my dad had a, 
he, he saw this magician when he was G2 Rome, and he had a knife in his, up his sleeve, mm-hmm. and he'd jerk his hand like this, and the knife would come out, right. you know? So my father had that contraption made for himself, and when he would go into raids, he would the knife would come out. And then, as a as a as a kid, he they hung two cats over a doorknob, and they made three slashes on his arm. So he would slash them with three. You know, he executed over twenty himself. Really, Germans, yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Wow. Gestapo, SS. Yeah. You yeah. know, so this this little old man in the blue hat that we called Papa, you would never know that he had a life like that. It was serious business back then. Yeah, the intelligence game, especially especially during that time. You, you didn't know who to trust. You know, right. You still don't, well, but that was, I mean, that was amazing times back then. Yeah, my dad had, it during those times, he had the mafia working for him. Mm-hmm. He had the Catholic Church, two popes working for him. Wow. And... And he also, maybe some people remember the movie, it's quite old, called The Pimpano. Mm-hmm. And my father was the back door, actually, in that movie. He would bring the cardinals out and have them uh, do certain jobs for them. Wow. You know? So, And they never lost one single American or had one devil explosion, where in France there was over a 1,000 U.S. killed after the war. Wow. Yeah, he was That's good at his job. Tidy. He had it tied up 100%. Mm-hmm. Because it sounds like he had everybody in his pocket. Well, he did. Yeah. And that's, he came from a little town in California, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and it's mostly Italians. And, of course, the Italians were all from the north and south. Right. And Dad had a genuine, real photographic memory. Right. So he knew all the dialects. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Perfect strange. spot for him. Yeah, he's the strangest man that I ever knew, <laughs> even though he was my father. Strange in a good really. way, it sounds like. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, he went to, they sent him, um, he was drafted, but he because of his um, intellect, they, he couldn't go with the rest of the soldiers. Right. And uh, so they sent him to officer's candidate school. And then they sent him over to uh, England to go to, um, what is it called, MI6 or something? Yeah, it was MI5 Cambridge. or MI6. Back MI5, yeah. yeah, Cambridge University. Yeah. So when he came back after the war, of course, he went to Fort Raleigh, Kansas and mm-hmm. taught intelligence and then after that he went with macarthur mm-hmm. and then after macarthur uh in japan of course he was on the pan moon john peace talks and then he went with eisenhower and during that time in rome by the way he carried the d-day plans on his uh, wrist wow. from uh from europe to uh to uh um, italy wow yeah, yeah. Wow. you know i, I want to go, go ahead, ahead. I, I wanted to speak a little about um, things that maybe my father told me that people don't know about the government. Yeah, and I was just going to ask this, you about that, actually, so perfect. Go ahead. Okay, well, you know, there's five levels of control in this world, and it's very interesting. First, you have judiciary, you know, the mm-hmm. the, the government, as you're taught in high school, right? right? As we see every day on TV. And they really think they're in control, most of them. Mm-hmm. Depends on who's president. And then the second one, of course, is the secret society, the bankers, the, the wealthy, so on and so on, you know. And, and uh, of course, they, they think that they have control over the first one. Right. And then after that, you have which Eisenhower said, the great military complex. And if, if anyone ever thinks that the Pentagon can't come across the Rubicon, 
mm-hmm. and and straighten things out, they're sadly mistaken. Right. It's very powerful. There's black projects. There's money that goes that way that nobody has accounting for mm-hmm. and such. My father, you know, originated the Colonel North's job, and what he was is liaison between uh, Eisenhower, the president, and the chiefs of staff, and he would carry the orders over there. And my dad always said, I was only lieutenant colonel. I would, I couldn't, I wouldn't know what to do if one of the generals said, no, we're not going to do that. He right. says, but they never did, you right. know. So um, it, it's, it was very interesting that when the book was written, we had um, uh, some people come to the house and they wanted, in, uh, reporters, and they wanted to know about uh, uh, Colonel North. And they asked my father, they said, did you ever do anything like he did? And my father says, oh, far worse. And they were all <laughs> dumbfounded. And he, But my dad spoke up and he says, you know, there's a big difference, though, he says. This is what got Colonel North in trouble. He says, in my day, if I would ask you not to report what I just said, you would you were patriotic and you wouldn't report it. Right. He says, but today you're going to report it if I ask you not to do this. Absolutely. You know, so, so he says, my father is very worried about that. And that's kind of what the shadowed government was about. Actually, they were very concerned about the uh, communist or you might, you, you can say socialist professors. And that's what we're reaping right now. But getting back to the five controls, right. you can d- then begin asking questions. Now, the fifth one, the fourth one, of course, is the alien agenda or the future agenda. The next one, of course, is God. And you can say, well, he's the man with the big white beard or he's the matrix, however you wish. You know, mm-hmm. the best plans sometimes are spoiled, you know, by by chance, we call it. But, you know, it could be the organization, you know. So you see, once you have these five, you begin asking, well, which one's in control? Which one knows about the other one? Which one tries to bully the other one, you know, and so all these questions come up. So I think if people knew this, they could begin relating to what's happening today with the division. Mm-hmm. Now, um, your father, you said, was part of a secret, like a shadow government, correct? That's right. Now, was that where would that fall in on this list? What what years you mean? No, I, I mean would would that fall at the level of government with the secret society with the military complex, the alien or future agenda? Where would you say that your father's organization fell in on? I would say the military complex. Okay. And and the number one and and the you know the you know John McCormick being on it you know so it was part of the number one. Right. Also. Yeah. So yeah. if you're in if you're in the higher tiers, obviously you have access to the lower tiers, but the lower tiers don't have access to the higher ones. You got it. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now that shadow, that shadow government that your father was a part of, you know, wh- how was how was that organized? How did you get? How did you join or get recruited into that? Well, it, you know, um, t- today we talk about the uh, the swamp. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, the swamp existed for a long, long time. Right. Remember the 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 socialist uh, professor started coming in uh, right after McCarthyism, you know. Mm-hmm. So they, they were they were fighting that. They were right-wingers, they called them back then, you know. And and the right-wingers were, uh, you know, ex-militaries, um, you know, congressmen, certain, you know, uh, Speaker of the House. I was a Capitol policeman on, under John McCormick. Mm-hmm. And I, I can tell you that 
many times I went with my dad as a boy. Of course, I wasn't involved in it, but I could see the meetings of the shadow government, you know, and uh, some with very father, influential mean, people. Pardon me? You, you'd be with your father and you'd see them having these meetings? Yes. Yes, okay. exactly. Yeah. And I remember I was really impressed that my dad worked in the Blair House across from the White House, and I'd go there with him. That was his office, and there'd be two soldiers standing there with machine guns, and I was always very impressed by that. Yeah, that's got to be a powerful thing to see. Yeah. I wanted to clear something up to a certain individual um, that was um, that condemned my father's book, uh, said that my father was not on, um, on the... Um, uh, what is it? Magic, the magic, right? Magic, uh, MJ, MJ yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that was right. My father corrected him later and says, That's right. I, he, my father said he was on it and he used the wrong word. He was the person that they reported to for Eisenhower. <laughs> wow. And I called him in, called him in one day, and dad says, uh, I says, where, where are they from, Phil? And he says, We don't know. And he says, What do they want? And he says, We don't know that either. He says, what do we know? And he says, well, we know that uh, they penetrated airspace, so let's treat them as a foe. And then Mike says, well, what's your recommendation, Phil? And my dad says, look, you and I are just old soldiers. Let's say nothing. So it began a cover-up. My dad said it was never meant to be. And he says the government is so damn inefficient, it covers itself up. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And there's a lot that I want to I get into with you just said a whole lot in, in a whole brief amount of time. Um you know, how has that statement now evolved into this world of secrecy? I understand your father's statements were innocent. He's just doing what he's trained to do as a soldier. Like, I don't want to deal with this problem. Let's not say anything. But now it's the it it seems to have evolved into intentional cover up. How where where did that change? Well, I would tell you a story I told you the other day, and there was a man, and I'm just going to call him Peter. Mm-hmm. And my father was due to talk at Roswell, must have been 100 reporters there, at the crash site, which he confirmed was the crash site. He was not at the crash, but later he came there with the military. So he confirmed it as the crash site. They were deciding whether it was here or there. I forget, two different places, maybe three. So my dad was due to speak. And my dad says, go over there, see that guy over there? His name's Peter, and he's ex-CIA. He says, go over there and give him a message for me. So I said, okay, Pop. So I go over there and stand in front of the guy, and then he moves over. Then I move over. So he's getting tired of this, and he taps me on and says, what are you doing, young man? And I said, well, I got a message from my father. He says, oh, what's that? He says, you're retired CIA, and you're going to get up there and debunk my father, and you don't even know why you're still doing it. You don't need to be still doing it. Well, the fella came to breakfast the next morning, the table, and says, I apologize. You're exactly right, Colonel. He says, I don't know why I'm doing this. And when Dad was at Vandenberg Air Force Base, uh, several of the generals came up and said, yeah, of course, so please try to get, I hope this gets the monkey off our back. We can't even tell our wives what we work on or what we do. Right. You know? So it just covered itself up. Like my dad said, it's so inefficient, it covered itself up. It was the agenda, mm. you know. And, and yet today now, it, it seems it's intentionally being covered up. 
why do you think that is now? What, has anything changed? They have to die off because they have to die off. I'm glad you, you reminded me. Yeah. You know, I'm 75 mm-hmm. and you know, these guys, you know, are in their eighties and they're mostly gone. So they have to die off before it's going to change because yeah. they carry the agenda with them. That's right. what they were told to do. And they're going to do it to their deathbed. That's what I believe. A soldier then. Yeah, yeah. That's my belief. I mean, that my father did say that, but that's my belief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you think that's changing? Do you think we see it, we're seeing good progress? I know there yeah. was. Uh, I mean, there were some disclosure events now, uh, and, and let's talk about that for a minute. With uh, you know the recent disclosure events, we had the New York Times article, the Washington Post, uh, and some big names, people that held similar positions to your father, coming forward, and they said, you know, the Nimitz UFO sighting, the Tic Tac UFO. Um, UFOs are real. Lou Elizondo said UFOs are real, and we don't know where they come from. Uh, you know, and, and here's what we've got. But they made no reference to the day after Roswell or your father's work. Why do you think that is? Well, the Air Force, again, my father was pretty much didn't. Now, the rank-and-file Air Force, he loved them. Don't get me wrong. Right. It was the chief of staff, and he'd been replaced not too long ago. Uh, several of them have. But they they... They wanted to keep this, my dad said, for their own power right. over the other forces. You know, that's, that's, that's the end of it. It's just greed. You know, so that, that's, that's pretty much what's still going on today. So do you think that they intentionally omit his work just so they can get the glory? Is that basically, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm asking you to speculate here, obviously, but... Um, it's simply because they want to be the first to make this announcement then as if he never did. Well, it could be, but I, I can go back and give you some buildup to that real quick. Please. Um, the the um, book was put out very quickly, mm-hmm. and there was some intermarriage there between Bill Burns and, and such and the, the editor and such, okay? So the book came to bear very quickly. My father never even did a legal on it. Right. Uh, never did a reading on it. I mean, uh, you know, and there was never a legal done on it. It was rushed through quicker than any book ever went through. Tish Corbin, the editor, got fired right afterwards. Then the Air Force comes out with their, with their debunk, and shortly after, and of course it was the crash dummies that fell in 54 rather than 47. I mean, it was a, a, a you know, a childish attempt to debunk right. uh, my dad's book, you know? So it caused a lot of controversy. Uh, we had top scientists come to the house and they said, we knew something was, and th- these are, these are top scientists. I mean, Nobel prize winning scientists. And they said, we knew something was up between 1960 and 63. The laser was as big as the house in 1960. Right. All of a sudden, 1963, it's pointers that you're pointing to a, a blackboard with, you right. know. That so, so they, knew, yeah, they knew something was up, you know. So, uh, uh, you know, it just goes to show that the book, by the way, in most other countries, is mandatory reading in college. In this country, it's not because of the debunking. Right. You know, and, and here's why the UFO guys debunk it because they have their own books and their own agendas and they don't like the sales of this book that it was a New York Times bestseller. That's really sad to me, Phil, you know, because as as as, as I'm an author and a truth seeker myself, I like when these other books 
do well. I want I, you know I want other authors to have a story to share to get their information out. Are we in search of truth or are we in search of glory? I mean, the, the two don't always go hand in hand, and that's frustrating for me to hear that. Um, you know, I, I understand. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's really tough. Yeah. You know, I, I have a. Um, uh, you were just talking about the laser and, and the technology, and, and I guess one of the questions that's most interesting to me. Your father said something in the book. At least it's in the audio book, the, the recently released audio book. Um, he talked about it, so briefly the chips that he found, the the silicon computer chips, mm-hmm. and he was talking about. He says he wonders sometimes if these chips were intentionally seated here, basically implying that if this, this crash you know, happened on purpose for the purposes of dropping those chips, knowing how it was going to change our society. Because he was looking at society going, look how quick the computer mm-hmm. is taking over. And this was 1998, and he had this foresight. Look how quickly mm-hmm. computers taking over. Now we're looking at AI, at, at some of our top minds, saying AI is one of the greatest threats to humanity. And mm-hmm. if you can trace mm-hmm. that evolution back to the seeding of those chips in the 50s right. I, right i think that was i think that was one of the most powerful statements your father made in that book and that really screamed at me do you have any any thoughts or comments on that yeah i have something to add to that and by the way i haven't listened to all the tapes yet because i just kind of felt i knew everything in there but my sons two sons uh read it i mean listened to it recently and they were telling me all about it how impressed they were and every time they said something, I have something to add to it. <laughs> so <laughs> I would like to maybe do a book on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was the question again now? I'm sorry to interrupt. So we're, oh, looking, uh, we're looking at oh, how it changed. How it changed. Yeah. Well, just what are your thoughts yeah. on you know, were those, do you think those chips were seeded? Well, do you think they were intentionally dropped here in order for AI to evolve on our planet? Well, I don't know because my father says that, that you know, they, they were not prepared for the radars that we had, and then later on, uh, the Star Wars and such. So he says we've caught them. But here's something that I think may help that question. My my dad and General Trudeau were almost hesitant to put out the integrated circuit to the public. I think it was through, uh, I think they did it through uh, right near here, um, what's the laboratory, Harris Labs. And what they were afraid of, they said, is that it it would change the world, maybe for a worse condition. Right. And wh- what they were afraid of is the misuse of it. For instance, my father said this over and over and over again, for 200 years advanced from where we should be because right. of this technology. And he was afraid, and General Trudeau was afraid that morally – Maybe we haven't caught up. Maybe uh, society is not ready for it. Maybe the human being is not ready for it. You know, so it does change things drastically. For instance, the phone I'm talking on now doesn't belong here. Yeah. You know, it's still another 150 years away. You know, so, um, you know, uh, is it dangerous? Well, yeah. You know, the atomic bomb was saved us from going to war in Japan but also it kills a lot of people, Correct. you know, so it's a two-sided sword. But to answer that, if it was planted intentionally, I don't know. Right. Okay. It just makes me, it makes me wonder, um, I guess one of the thoughts that goes through my head is, is seeing the connections between AI, between UFO technology, 
uh, and now even between the space race again, because it seems like the space race has kicked back up. And your father had something to say about that as well. We, they, you know, there were plans for a moon base way back yeah. then in, in the uh, the late fifties and sixties, which I, I walked it. Yeah, I don't. I didn't mean to interrupt. It's fine. But I'm excited about this. I walked into his office in in our house one time, and this book was laying there about two feet by two feet, and I started opening it up. I wasn't supposed to see it. And I look on, it was Project Horizon, and it was all in color by, by artists, you know. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, these spaceships can't turn and dock like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and recently on Ancient Aliens, I see that says, well, the government has rele- released uh, Project Horizon. No, it was in my dad. It's in the back of my dad's book. And here's, here's what is going to stun everybody. You know the Space Force that that uh, Trump is going to do, right? Yeah, right. Okay, now listen to this. And people are going to say, oh, this boy's nuts. Kennedy said we're going to go to the moon mm-hmm. in 10 years at the end of the decade, not because it's easy, but because it's hard. We had already been there with Project Horizon, with the alien technology. Wow. One, of this, one of our astronauts came back from the moon, and I forget who it is exactly, by the way, I knew Edgar Mitchell quite well, but uh, he came back from the moon and he punched right in the nose uh, the head of NASA. And the guy got up <laughs> and he says, why did you do that? He says, how dare you send us to the moon on bicycles when the military is there in Ferraris? And you can look that up. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, so, so we've had moon base long, long, long time. This is one of the yeah. Apollo astronauts that, that punched the, uh, the head of NASA. Okay. No, I'm a, I'm asking it just for for clarification. Oh yes, was one, one of the one of the uh, Apollo. Yes. Wow. Yes. And they so I, I they saw who it is. Okay. Yeah, I was of just course. listening. I was yeah. just listening to an old older recording. Um, it was one of the Apollo miss, missions, and as they're flying around the dark side of the moon, you can hear the inner transmission between the astronauts, and they're saying, "Do you hear that? Do you hear that music? That music is weird." Uh, and it was the strangest thing that they're hearing music. They don't know where it's coming from. They think it was coming from <laughs> the moon itself. Um, yeah. You know, now, now and the, go ahead. And there's shadows on Mars. <laughs> you know, yes. Shadows of, of a spaceman, a spacesuit standing there fixing the rover, you know. So, yeah, yeah. It's our, our society has one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to support the engineering for the military and the and the space exploration that's the only purpose for our economy our service right. and and such like that so the world is not what people think it is i, I agree it's, yeah no and you I, know like like musk wants to break the matrix you know well um believe me it, it is true the, the what is true is in terms of the matrix or that that we are, yeah, that we are a computer program. It's absolutely true. Can, can, I mean, I'm I'm with you. I've I've covered that extensively on the show. Can you talk a little bit about that? I can, but I I'd, I don't really want to. Uh, I don't I, want to make I've, you uncomfortable, Phil. Yeah, well, I've seen the Matrix myself right. several times. Right. Mm-hmm. I broke the Matrix several times. I was born on Halloween. Okay. My sister five years later, uh, and my father, uh, because of that, as a boy, I always thought I could do magic. Right. And he even taught me to communicate mentally with him when I was uh, 
five years old, you know. So uh, um, all I want to say is, you know, there was an age of magic before technology. Yes. But the age of magic will be coming back now. It's already, yeah. Yeah. The mind is expanding. It is. Consciousness is opening up. Uh, Bob Monroe talked a lot about that. I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Bob Monroe. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, he, no, he, I don't know. I don't know him. Okay, Bob Bob Monroe in the uh, it was in the sixties or the seventies. He would find himself uh, awake at night on his ceiling, looking down at his body, and he realized mm-hmm. that he was able to leave his body. He had all sorts of tests done mm-hmm. to prove that he wasn't mentally ill or having any medical conditions, and he ended up developing mm-hmm. what's known as the Monroe Institute, which is still in place today. Um, mm-hmm. And he developed what's called hemisync technology, which is uh, just sound waves that go into your brain and put your brain in a particular state and help people achieve altered states of consciousness to go explore this matrix. And he has uh, three books that, that came out before he passed on, um, and mm-hmm. it's a fascinating read in, in what he talks about. Well, sure. Like Einstein says, you know, is that uh, the mind is over matter, you know, so mm-hmm. absolutely true. But I've, I've been able to... Um, uh, you know, my father was ghostwriter for 30 years for Jean Dixon. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know who she was. I, I don't. Uh, okay. Well, she was clairvoyant. Okay. And and she predicted Kennedy's death and became very famous after that. Okay. And my father was ghostwriter for her, and she had the ability. My father said to change between. Uh, um, this dimension and another dimension. For instance, the Hopi Indian calendar says that there's two line, two timelines that come up, right. and one of them has World War One, two, you know, and then at the end, uh, it, it switches to chaos on the first timeline, and the second one becomes benevolent. If there is a a uh, uh, if there is an invention of a um, uh, what do they call it? They, they called it, um, I met the, the, the keeper of the stone one time, the witch doctor right. for the Hopis, and they, they call it a living machine. Oh, if wow. a living machine, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, 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 there's, you know, I have about 50 more hours <laughs> to right. talk to you. <laughs> hey, I'll make it happen. I mean, <laughs> absolutely. This is, uh, this is right up my alley. We cover this every week. Um, yeah. Wow, a living machine. Now, I mean, obviously, yeah. with with the Roswell crash, Roswell yeah, crash is it. I mean, what you just described about the bodies. My, yeah, you've seen some of my talks on the videos. Yes, I have. Okay, well, then you know where where I'm at there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. and it's just to hear to hear the Hopi talking about that. You know, back way back when yeah. with these predictions yeah. coming out. You know, and I find well, I that was, interesting. I was. Invited to a meeting by Phil Bailey. He's he was ex um, black projects officer for the Air Force. Right. And I go to this meeting over in Tampa with a guy named Beckworth. Beckworth makes transformers. He made them for the Hope. I mean, for the uh, Harp. He makes them for. Um, he did most of the work on the Aldridge which was the Philadelphia experiment, which mm-hmm. I had to brief one time and they took it back from me. Wow. Um, and uh, he, uh, they invited me to this meeting. Well, I didn't know what it was up to. And all of a sudden there's this conference table with about, oh, a dozen people sitting around it. Military, religious, 
Dalai Lama representatives, uh, some finance people and such. And so Phil says, well, you sit here at the head of the table. I said, wait a minute, what's going on here? He says, well, they just want to ask you a few questions about your dad's uh, uh, notes and such. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know how it happened, but it was the first time in my life that I could read each one of their minds. I knew exactly what they were going to say, and I was saying it before them, and they were just sitting there laughing almost. So Mr. Beckworth, I mentioned I mentioned uh, the Hopi Indians and that I had met the chief, I mean the keeper of the stone, and uh, he gets up and says, come with me. So we go in his office by himself and leave the rest of the people sitting there. And these are dignitaries, very important people. And uh, he has all paintings on the wall, has Indian stuff, all Hopi. He was, he was very, very tight with them. Now, what he has, he has a, a, a time machine, and he took us all in there, and he started it up, and it disappeared. And he says, I want to introduce this to the colleges. And when we came back, we all talked about the military said, no, we don't want it introduced to, to, to colleges that there is such thing. See, UFO is not the cover up. It's time travel. That's the cover up. I'm getting pretty deep now. I didn't want to really go this deep. But anyway, at that conference table, the final question is by the military is, we're having trouble with time travel. Mm -hmm. uh, we're bringing back excess of baggage. And I said, yes, that's right. I said, what do you think that it's, that it's, you can uh, go from point A to B like in an airplane? No, you have to have benevolent reason. The religious guy stood up and said, see, we told you what, what your problem is. So anyway, I don't want to go any further into it, but the world is not what most people think it is. I completely agree with you, Phil. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and with the time travel, uh, I promise I won't press you hard on it, but um, it, it definitely catches my attention because it, it seems as if you have to wonder sometimes, are we being manipulated from somebody who has the standpoint of traversing time? And they could say, well, let's go change this to affect this this way. And, and it's almost like they're mm -hmm. one step ahead of us with that knowledge sometimes. Well, sure. Yeah. I was um, kind of... I, you're going to let people fill in the blanks here. I was dead for nine minutes mm -hmm. when I was born. Right. You know, and and um, I do know that that there's there's something else besides what we think is going on. Mm -hmm. uh, reincarnation, all these things, the religion, and all. I mean, it is a benevolent universe. You don't go back in time and. And, and, and kill your father and you and you disappear. Right. It doesn't work that way. Right. You come to another time. You grow forward another in timeline, a different timeline. Right? Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. I've talked about that before. That's what Philip yeah. K. Dick, the author Philip K. Dick, talked about, and they laughed at him in the 70s. He says, you know, um, I glimpse other worlds in my dreams, and these are not dreams. These are alternate realities. He says in Deja exactly. Vu, what happens with Deja Vu is when someone, and he didn't say who, goes in the back and changes something. It doesn't yes. change your timeline. What Deja Vu actually is, is a new timeline starting, and it's a copy exactly. of the original timeline up to that point, and you, if That's you right. have Deja Vu you are actually in an alternate timeline and you're remembering the last few moments of the a base reality that your other self is in. Does that make sense? You, you, you got it, yeah. yeah. And here's the other effect that takes place. When the new timeline grows forward like 200 years advanced from where we should be, 
Does it affect the timelines before that and after that? Yes, because it's a wave. You know, it's a a wave coming to the shore, you know, and it it waves over into the other timeline. Mental entanglement. Yes. You know, there's quantum entanglement. Well, now they're finding out there's mental entanglement. Yes, and and that accounts for... one timeline to the other. I've yeah. had a few experiences like this, but I have, I've had a, a guest on my show, I call her the Astral Projection Avatar, where she's actually able to wake up in another reality as somebody else and experience it as real as, I mean, you know the difference between when you're dreaming and when you're awake, and she says it's physical, she feels things, she has these experiences. Yeah, okay, you're able I, I, to do that as well. I have that, yeah. And my dad did too. Mm-hmm. In fact, when dad lived with us to, before he passed away for five years, uh, I go wake him up, and it was real hard to wake up, you know. Yeah. And I I say, where you been? Uh, where you been, Papa? You know. And he says, Well, I've been here, I've been there. And then he says, Oh man, he says, those those uh, gods really play rough, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your dad was a special guy, Phil. Wow. Oh, he was. If I could tell you some of the things, not now, but later, I'll tell you. Some of the things that he could do, uh, I used to think he was Thor. He loved lightning. Oh. Maybe, maybe he was. I saw him get struck when I was a kid in in Fort Raleigh, Kansas. Our apartment was down below the road, and I saw him come running up the bank and struck right on top of the head with a lightning bolt. And my mom and I were screaming. He comes walking out like nothing happened. Wow. Then he says, when he was a kid. He used to go out in the storms, and his grandma would yell at him uh, to come in, and he says he used to love it, you know. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. and wow. I've seen him blow, I've seen him get so bad he blows transformers Yeah, and, you, and that's common with people that are have that, uh, you know, that psychic talent. That's I mean, everybody has that talent. It's just more developed in others uh, than, than it is in some. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. You, you have to... You have to live in this world, so you can't get too far off base. You know, right. you're here, you're here, and and if you get too far off base, you go crazy. You know, so yeah. so you you have to remain here and, and and yeah, and deal with it. And others will laugh at you because there's two types of human beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Edward Casey said, there's a human being that uh, has a capable of love, and then there's the imitators. You know. And yeah. um, that's that's what my father said too. There, there's there's two types, you know. But don't be judgmental because yeah. you never know which type. I didn't mean to get off into these subjects. You probably want to talk more about the books, no. or Phil. You know, this is this is um, this is a subject that's probably the most important subject to my heart in, in, in realms of this. I think the UF subject UFO subject. Uh, is connected to it. I mean, Grant Cameron, I think it was Grant Cameron, has now been uh, putting out there that consciousness is the key to understanding all of this um, of because it's, it's connected. And I think the, if you really want to uh, objectively and openly find the truth and get rid of your beliefs and get rid of your paradigms, you start to come to a point where you realize, number one, reality is not what it seems. There's a lot more going on to this. And you have to ask yourself, well, then who am I? Who are we as a species and what are we capable of? And right. that's where, if you really research the UFO question, I think that's where it leads mm-hmm. us. Have you ever read, uh, um, you can look it up, 
the people that have two X's in their hands, one in each palm? Uh, have you ever heard of that? It sounds vaguely familiar. Okay, well, Napoleon, um, all okay. of your, uh, all all of your, you know, people of, you know, in the history books have had two X's in their hands. So they say, you know, so you have to recognize that some people are born with certain abilities or right. powers, you know, right. but they have to learn to deal with them. Yeah. Because like I said, you're here, you know, you can't, you're right. not going to step outside of it until you die. You Correct. Know? Yeah. I, but I, it, it, it's all very interesting and I know it's all very true. I, I, I noticed the matrix right. that I saw, everything had energy to it yeah. and the energy was either a dark red or a dark blue. Right. You know, and and even a penny had energy to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. and everything affected everything else. Yeah, everything is you connected. Um, everything is connected. Absolutely know, correct. That's the that's yeah. the premise. Not to self plug here, but the book that I'm writing right now. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I I started writing it as, as after my father passed. I had some very psychic mm-hmm. experiences um, that mm-hmm. were dark. And I first wanted mm-hmm. to know, is there something to this, and how much trouble are we in? And through the course of my mm-hmm. research, I ended up finding out, um, oh my goodness, yes, there's, we are all connected. And, and really, you know, the basis of it, I think, is electromagnetism. There's good research coming out of HeartMath um, that yeah. can show empathy in studies where people are com- we're communicating electromagnetically, able to transmit uh, and, and the Earth has an electromagnetic frequency. The Sun has an electromagnetic frequency. Everything is communicating. Some of us are conscious the Earth of is eight, Yeah. Yeah, the Earth is 8.7 megahertz, roughly. It changes right. from time to time. Right. Uh, well, you think of this. Here's the way that I see it. The Tesla coil. Mm-hmm. Your brain is the primary, and the world is the secondary. Right. You know, so so you have the ability... And unfortunately, some people have the ability to kill with their minds. That know, was The so, Men Who Stare at Goats, correct? Pardon me? The, the movie The Men Who Stare at Goats, which was based on some of the old uh, psi studies coming out of the 70s. Oh, I see. Yes, right, yeah. right. That's what they well, were... That, you know, yeah, my father uh, taught Al Pudoff uh, uh, remote viewing. Did he really? Yep. Yeah. My father was the best remote viewer you could ever believe in your life. See, I didn't yeah. read that. I mean, I've, I've definitely looked it's not into. In there. Uh, yeah, it's not in there anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, and and that's mm-hmm. a, a fascinating story as well. And and that another interesting name you brought him up, Hal Pudoff. You know, he was he was in there with the remote viewing studies with Ingo Swan and Russell Targ and, and everything that they were working yeah. on. And then the twenty years well, I of the met CIA. Him. I met him. He 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 came to the house with other people, and. After they talked to my dad and I for 15 minutes, they got madder than a hornet, Chuck mm-hmm. Green. And the reason was they said, damn, you've told us more in 15 minutes than it took our whole life to learn. And you know what most of the scientists that had come to dad wanted to know? Are we going up the right branch of the tree? That's right. all they wanted to know. Right. Is our research going in the right direction? Right. You know? And, and um, if you think about that, that's that's... That's what counts. You know, you yeah. can spend a lifetime going down the wrong branch to a dead end. Correct. You know? Correct. Yeah. Now, I, I find it interesting, um, you know, with that connection between Hal and your dad, and now Hal is strongly connected to this new movement with To the Stars with the disclosure efforts. I, I don't understand that. Say it again, please. I, I, ju- I just find it an interesting connection that your father um, had a relationship with Hal in terms of training him. And now here, yeah. all these years later, Hal is a part of the team that 
came with the official disclosure announcement uh, back in the end of 2017 with the To the uh-huh. Stars Academy, housed like their head of science and research. Um, oh. He hasn't said he he does not in the public eye too much about it, but he's he's on their their board of directors or their or their team as one of their top scientists. Oh, oh, uh, I see. Yeah, okay. You know, and I mm-hmm. I just again it, it comes back to why has your father not been? He has he has he has an alien artifact that I gave him. How, that's where Hal got it from. Was from you. Oh, he has one. He, Hal he said, said he has. He said they have an artifact that was public. Yeah, he. Yeah, he's got it. I gave yeah, it to him. That came from you. Mm-hmm. What was that artifact? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you a story. Have we got time? Sure. Okay. When I was five years old, I went up to Johnny Keith's at Fort Bliss. And, you know, it's it's the uh, plains, and the grass is about four or five feet high, all dead, right? Right. And uh, I went up to Johnny Keith, and he was throwing matches down. And he said, here, Butch, throw this over here. I'm five years old. Mm-hmm. I throw it over here, and the, all of a sudden the flames go, whoom, like that. Mm-hmm. I'm standing there being burned to death, okay? Right. I'm about, oh, 20, 30 feet out into this thing. Now, I burned down the whole Indian reservation, and my dad wow. was up for court-martial, okay? Wow. Yeah. So all of a sudden, a tunnel opens up, and I run through the tunnel, and when I come out the other end, I have this emphasis in my hand at Al Pudol's house now. And it's about an inch in diameter. Now, I took that home and gave it to my, um, to my aunt, um, oh, what was her name? Oh, she was living with us at the time. And that was her, that was her month, month stone, you know, her, her birth stone. Right. You don't, uh, you know, the, Whatever right, month she was born. Right, yeah. the amethyst. Well, yeah. It was an amethyst, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Aunt Joe. So, Aunt Joe calls me up when Dad's book comes out. And she says, I think I've been wearing this around my neck. I had a hole drilled in it ever since you gave it to me as a little boy. And I think you're going to be needing it. So, she sent it back to me. And I gave it to Al Pudolf. Wow. And he got mad at me. I said, don't hold this up to your forehead. Uh-huh. And uh, he got, I said, you'll contaminate it, and that really pissed him off. <laughs> really? Yeah, I don't keep anything. I, I give it all away. It's safer that way. I don't it? know why. <laughs> yeah, all the pictures, I had dozens of pictures. Right. Close up, not 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 uh, not lights of the sky, just as close as you would be getting into your car. <laughs> pictures of, of craft, of ETs, of what? Yeah, crafts. Yeah, and 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 uh, I think Bill Burns still may have some of it. Right. The guy Neil Russell, I sent him to him. Mm-hmm. He was the one that first put the book out. You know. Right. Yeah. You know, we're we but, are coming close uh, to the end of our time, Phil. Just just a few more okay. quick questions, um, and, and sure. I'd love to have you on again. To, to I mean, like you said, we'd go on forever about this. Um, you know, ultimately, what do you think these ETs are, and what do they want? What's that again? Now I'm having a hard time. I'm hard of hearing, so... I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry. Uh These beings, what do you think they are, and what do you think they want? I think they're from our future. Yeah. And and I I, I think that um, as far as being... I know they're from other dimensions, too. Also, I'm positive of that. Right. Um, I have experience with that. My dad did, too. Right. And what do they want? It's very simple. My dad met with one one time. 
And in fact, he's the one that had the emphasis in the in his forehead. Right. And he met with him, and he says, "A new world, if you could take it, whatever that means." Could be good. Could be bad. Pardon me. Could it could be good or it could be bad, right? It could be indifference too. Yeah. They don't give yeah. a damn. Yeah. You know who 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 knows? You know. No. But that's what it means. I was at a conference in uh, in um, uh, Hawaii. And they were going to present that to the UN as a as a, a, a greeting or something, but I right. don't know if it ever got done. Right. But my father told me that. He said that's what the alien told him. By the way, there's a there's a jailhouse in the Pentagon. My dad said, mm-hmm. and you you can go into the jailhouse and have nothing with you, no recorder, no no consults, no paper, no nothing, just your mind, and you can ask any question you want, and the question will be answered. Wow. How's it answered? Uh, Through the universe? I, I don't know. He never said if it was an alien, a computer, or anything. He just says, there is a room, and it looks like a jail. And he says, you can go in there, and that's all he would say. He wow. wouldn't say nothing else. You know, so I oh, just thought I would throw that out. Makes me wonder about uh, you know, the old pyramid structures. Some say that they were designed to harness energy and, and you know, even communicate with the stars. Um, you know, but you said yeah. something that, that intrigued me, that... These beings may not be alien, you know, if they're from our future. And I've had a couple guests who have mentioned that they're from our future. And two things I want to comment on that. Number Mm -hmm. one, with them possibly being interdimensional. I know uh, people who have taken psychedelic mushrooms. Terrence McKenna talks about it. And there was a study done. I forget. One of the universities did a study. And people who took these uh, psilocybin doses all reported encountering beings that look like these, you know, the large-eyed greys. Um, from mm-hmm. taking the mushrooms, which would lend credibility to them being somehow connected interdimensionally to the Earth itself. Um, yeah. and, and as far as the future aspect, this comes back to some of the AI stuff. Um, you know, what we're looking you, you, at... I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, where people get confused is, if you come back from the future, you are then coming from another dimension, space-time. Yeah. You know, so you're coming from another dimension. So... It's both in one. In other words, yes, it's the future. Yes, it's another dimension. You know, makes sense. There there are theoretically eleven dimensions. My father said the fifth dimension is the most interesting one there is. You know, so uh, absolutely, there's um, there's it's all real. It's all here. You know, and it's just for us to begin to understand it. You know, but a new world if you can take it. You know, if you don't want it, all right. If you want it, okay, we'll help you. You know. Yeah, yeah. That, wow, that's. Or you're capable, not just want it, but capable. Capable. You know, right now, right now, I don't think we're capable. My father said this last thing. I guess we're getting close. He said, "There's something awful about the human being." Yeah. That's quote. That's quote. And that's. Did he say what that was? No, no. But I tell you one thing. I did real quick. Mm-hmm. I came home one time. I used to sit on the floor after building my airplanes because I'm full of fiberglass, and Dad's writing on his desk. And I just like a little kid, I don't know what made me say it. I said, who is God anyway? Yeah. And his answer was very interesting to me. He says, he says, um, uh, God is the intellect. And that was all. You know? yeah. wow. <laughs> but if you think about that, you know, uh, an animal doesn't have intellect, you know, the ET have intellect. Yeah. Right. You know, so. You know, who, who, who is God? Well, it's the coherency, I guess, the intellect, you know. Wow. Maybe Dad's right, you know. Powerful statements, mm-hmm. Phil. 
powerful statements. I have thousands of more questions for you, but I don't want to keep you too long. We're uh, just about over an hour here. Um, yeah. Any any final thoughts that you'd like to say for for this discussion here for our listeners out there? Well, I enjoy very much talking to you because you're very easy to talk to. Thank you. Uh, I've told you some things that I would not have said a few years back, right. but I do notice that people are changing, you yes. know, and uh, they're, they're becoming more knowledgeable of the other existences, you might say. Yeah. And I'm sure, and, and you sound like you have a uh, good handle on that also. Trying so I, to. I enjoy very much talking to you. As did I, Phil, and it was uh, you know, very rewarding for me. You gave me a lot to think about. I didn't expect the conversation to go in this direction. I think that speaks to the, I didn't either. the synchronicity I didn't either. of things. You know, I think it was important uh, and meant to happen this way between the two of us. We have a lot more in common than I thought, um, and yeah. I'm happy about that. So um, I, I thank you. And, and anything else, uh, you know, anything you'd like to say uh, just about your father in general that you'd like the, the, you know, the world to know now? Well, yeah, my father never hit me, mm-hmm. never raised a hand to me. I never heard him cuss, and he never exaggerated. Everything was as a intelligence officer would say. In right. other words, he he was a very um, gentleman, but he right. was also a warrior. Yeah, you know. So that's what I would say about my father. Wonderful. Okay. All right. Now, uh, I want to just plug the audio book again. That's available, you said, through audible.com, right, which you can find through Amazon, The Day After Roswell, and that's the one uh, that's narrated by Bill Burns, correct? Yes. And if Bill Burns listens to any of this, I need to talk to him. I've lost his number. I could call Simon & Schuster, probably get it. But if he's out there, uh, if he could give me a call, I'd appreciate it. All right, Bill, get in touch. <laughs> and uh, okay. hopefully he'll uh, he'll contact you. And if he wants, he can uh, contact me, and I can get him in touch with you as well. If he lost your number or whatever, um, great. That'll be fine. That's great. You and, you can give him my phone number. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. So Phil, mm-hmm. I want you to hold the line for a minute, and uh, and then yes. uh, we'll uh, we'll get back to it. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, and move on. So Phil, thank you so much. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Absolutely. Thank you. The synchronicities were strong with this show. I, again, I didn't expect. I didn't expect us to talk about matrix level stuff. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of the the core of a lot of what I've been exploring. So, you know, getting personal here on a personal level for me, this show connected a lot for me. It, it surprised me. And with that being said, I can't I can't close the show without talking on this uh, in a little bit more detail, thinking about the uh, the AI connection, the matrix reality that we may be existing within with time travel. And how that could all possibly fit. And I have to come back to the question that I that I asked of Phil um, of his father's experience, his father's statements in the book. And, and Phil, he, he wasn't sure. He, he couldn't speak on it uh, in any greater detail. But his dad had said, uh, you know, Colonel Corso had had made the statements that he often wondered in in when he looked at these beings that were with the ship. He wondered if they were a piece of technology, somehow biological, technological merger there, like a hybrid, I guess, that they were part of the ship. And when he was looking at the integrated circuit, his his question was, I wonder if this chip was intentionally seeded here, if it was dropped here for it then to evolve into what it is today. And that statement was so incredibly profound for me. When I, when I read it, um, and, and the reason being this, if we're looking at where AI is going right now, sometimes I feel like it's invasion of the body snatchers, but it's a slow, 
gradual takeover. I mean, the plan, if we look at what's coming out of Google and, and Ray Kurzweil, if you listen to what Elon Musk is talking about with his, his Neuralink to merge the human mind with AI, Elon Musk has flat out said, if you can't beat it, join it. Ray Kurzweil said, you know, the next 20 to 30 years, we're going to be able to upload our mind to the cloud and exist within this virtual reality and live forever, you know, is Kurzweil's plan, you know, one of the engineers at Google. There, there's some uh, scary implications here. And I, I wonder if somehow this is connected to the future or directed by the future. Maybe there's an AI in the future that wants to, and I'm totally out on a limb here, but that wants to make sure, ensure its own creation. And it's had influence over the past, if we're talking about the time travel piece, and was able to allow for these chips to be seeded through time travel, dropping pieces here to then cause, and, and we're talking the, the plot, the long, longitudinal plot, to the Terminator series here, basically is what happened in Terminator. The machines were created because he found the arm of the Terminator in the past that came from the future that then allowed him to recreate the machine of the future. What came first, the past or the future? You, you know, but when you talk about multiple timelines being split off, do I sound crazy here? Um, it makes sense in my head. So I guess my question is, or my, my thread on that is, AI in the future influences the past, drops a chip... An integrated circuit, I'm sorry, not a chip, an integrated circuit that then spawns this race of machines, this race of AI that is getting ready to come online. Now let's add the remote viewing data we got from Ed Reardon, where he's looking at this evolution uh, and this ultimate merger takeover of the human mind between nanotechnology, satellite technology, and some signal wave that then goes out across the planet and, and affects everybody's mindset. This is powerful data that Ed Reardon got, uh, and, and there's some good feedback on that. I'm working on getting him back on the show to dissect it a little bit further. Um, hopefully in the, in the next couple of weeks is what I'm trying to do. Is that what we're dealing with here? Is this a slow takeover? And I'm not trying to spread fear. I'm just trying to explore this option. Are we looking at a slow takeover? And are they connected? Are they related? Maybe not. Maybe not. But I think it warrants further exploration and investigation. Maybe I'm trying to connect dots where there are no dots just because I'm interested in both subjects. But I'm thinking back to the book, The Day After Roswell, and the description of these bodies that were found. And I remember, you know, in Bill Burns' voice, you know, narrating for Corso, saying it's as if these beings were designed for space travel. There was no toilets on the craft. There was no food found on the craft. So either these craft were meant to make short trips where you wouldn't need to go to the bathroom or use food, or these beings and this craft were able to travel long, vast distances in space and not have a need for those types of facilities. Are they some kind of android or hybrid or, or a combination biological, technological merger um, able to traverse space and time that maybe a, a living body like us wouldn't survive? I don't know. Uh, I, I absolutely don't know. We can go in a lot of different directions. Um, and I don't want to speculate too far, but at the same time, I, I think it's important to have these thought exercises 
uh, ask the questions that the mainstream doesn't seem to be asking. Hey, UFOs are real. They're not ours. Direct quote. But... But we're not going to wonder about where they came from. Why? Again, I said at the beginning of the show, why isn't the mainstream asking these questions? Why aren't they asking, well, what about the people who said they were abducted? What do we know? What can we learn? It's not all going to be accurate. You're going to get a couple wackadoos in there who are just making stuff up to get their 15 seconds of fame. But you're going to find a lot of truth in there as well. You're going to be able to put more pieces to the puzzle together. All right, friends, I could go on and on and on and on about this, uh, the Matrix, the AI, and the UFO connection, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and end the show here. Uh, I want to direct your attention to SixthSenseMedia.net. Lots of great content out there. Uh, Ray Davis, he, he's been the king of social media with, Six, with Sixth Sense Media, always has engaging content. He's also the founder of the Affirmation Spot. He's got free affirmations up there linked through SixthSenseMedia.net. If you're looking to empower yourself or improve your life, if you want to change that negative thought loop that you have running through your head, Ray Davis has the tools for you to start that journey. Check it out. Also check out his book, Anunnaki Awakening. It's a fantastic piece. If you want to get a fictional perspective of really, there's a lot of nonfiction worked in there of the history of the Anunnaki and what it might be like if they were to encounter us today. It's a great book, Anunnaki Awakening. And please don't forget to get my free ebook, I am human, and we are not who we think we are. For you truth seekers out there who are wondering what is going on with this reality, why am I waking up and there's things in my room in the middle of the night, where do I fit in this world, in this realm of existence, please check it out. It's a free ebook. You'll be signed up to also to receive the free Seeker newsletter every single Sunday right to your inbox. I also want to direct you, available via Amazon.com, Audible.com, The Day After Roswell, the audio book. Uh, it's a it's fantastic to listen to, narrated by Bill Burns. I, I really, really enjoyed listening to that, uh, and I will go back and listen to it again. Lots of relevant information in that book that was written back in the late 90s, I think 97, 98. So please check it out. The links will be in the show notes and in the Seeker News letter. I think that's all my commercials. A quick teaser, a quick preview. Ray and I are working hard on some merchandise that I think will be uh, empowering, inspiring, and a lot of fun. So check back at Sixth Sense Media for that as well. That's all the time I have, my friends. Uh, to Phil Corso, thank you so much, sir, for coming on and honoring your father's legacy and sharing a bit of your own. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Looking forward to future talks as well. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of The Seeker Podcast where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning and keep an open mind. Thank you.